0: You're listening to the Digital State of Mind podcast with your host, Jessica Hawks, where we get honest about all things entrepreneurship, balancing life and business, and navigating the world in a digital age. back to season five of the dig- oh my god the digital state of mind <laughs> can't speak today i just finished recording with kaylin who is our guest speaker for this episode so uh i've i've talked a lot we talked for like an hour and 20 minutes actually no we talked for like two hours because we were talking for a long time before we actually started and eventually, I was like, "Okay, we need to record this because this is funny." So, um, yeah, I'm coming at you pretty battered and bruised. I last night, me and my friends were downtown, and we were <laughs> we were walking by this coffee shop that we go to all the time. But they got like new outdoor tables, and I was like, "Oh my god, these are so nice." And I bent over to feel one of them because I was like, oh, I want to feel like what material this is. And I bent over to feel one of them and I was looking at it and (laughs) there was a plastic planter. Like they have these planters outside, which have they don't have anything in them. Like there's nothing planted in them. So I'm like, why do you even have these? but they have these giant plastic planters outside and I didn't even see it because it was dark outside and I was bending over to feel the table, tripped over the planter, and like when I say I face planted, I face planted. It was the hardest I think I've ever fallen in my life. I had a water bottle in one hand and a my phone in the other hand, so I couldn't even break my fall. I hit the ground, like, I mean, it was just unbelievable. I messed up my knees. My knees look so disgusting right now. Like, one of my knees look like if you were to have a lobotomy, and the, you know when, like, those, those videos on TikTok where the, like, doctors are, well, actually, I don't even know if this is on TikTok. It's probably not allowed, but if you were to like have an open brain surgery that's what my knee looks like right now it is just completely raw the whole thing my other knee is so bruised my shin is bruised my elbow is like scraped up and is completely black and blue <laughs> i hit the ground so hard and i was so disoriented i was like what just happened to me?" Um, so that's the, that's the state that I'm in currently. Uh, a lot of pain. I showered today and I was like, oh my God, because it hurts so bad. But it was really hilarious. I kept thinking about it after and laughing because I was like, I wish so badly that there were like cameras on the street so that I could rewatch that happening because it probably looked so funny to other people. <laughs> But, anyways, that's that's what I'm dealing with today. Anyway, oh my god. Also, me and Caitlin were just talking about this after the episode ended, but has anyone watched Love is Blind? Like, the newest season? I don't think I've ever cringed so badly at any show in my life. Like, if you haven't watched this, maybe just... Um, skip forward a couple minutes because i'm about to give some spoilers but what is their names arena and oh god what is his name the lawyer it's not jack is it jack hold on okay sorry it's zach same thing jack zach what's the difference when they first met i was like i was like squirming on the couch because I was so uncomfortable by it, and he just everything after that happened with that, it was just completely unbelievable to me. So if you have watched this, please, for the love of God, message me on Instagram because I need to talk about it with somebody because it's <laughs> it's just something else. But yeah, we have an exciting episode today. I am, I have my OBM, my online business manager, Kaylin, on this episode, there are a lot of people, um, students, or people who are just curious about the online space that wonder, you know, what an online business manager does, how to pivot into being an online business manager, um, what the pricing looks like for that, etc. So we are covering all of those things and more. And I'm really excited. I love Kaylin. She's the best. She's been with me in my business for. Two years, over two years at this point, and she knows my business as much as I do at this point. She is just, she's fully in. So I'm really excited. I think you guys are going to love this episode. So without further ado, let's just dive in.
1: I wish I knew one of the (laughs) cheerleading um, chants from like... um what is that like early 2000s movie like step it up or something step it up or um oh, they made it into a musical I should know this hold on was it is it the one
0: with Hayden Panettiere or is it a yes
1: wait it bring is. it on
0: bring it on that's bring what it on. I meant not step it up I meant bring it on
1: <laughs> Stop, wait, we're just is, like is step it up wait there's step up step which is the up? dancing one. Oh.
0: Is Step It Up a thing? Did I just make that up? Step It Up. Probably. Wait, no, Step
1: It Up is a movie,
0: but it's... No, I I was combining Bring It On and Step Up. I said Step It Up. That's what it is. <laughs> step It Up. I'm like, yeah, you're talking about Step It Up, right?
1: <laughs> no, you were like, just telling no, me that I need actually. to do better.
0: <laughs> like, How, How do you not say- know this Hello, Step everyone? It Up? <laughs> we're just fully in. <laughs> Everyone's listening to this and they're like... Um, is this just a phone call or is this yeah a no we're busy guys. <laughs> I Thanks for tuning hello in. everyone, welcome to Digital State of Mind. <laughs> <laughs> we were just uh, like talking about our nails and a bunch of random stuff, and I was like, we probably should be recording this because it's it's good content. But it's gold. You guys missed our best bits. You missed out. We always get distracted on calls, <laughs> but. Uh, I'm super excited for this episode. I am actually shocked that it's we're five seasons in and I haven't had you on the podcast.
1: I'll (laughs) say.
0: (laughs) You're telling me. We're like 20 seasons. It's like 20 years from now and you're like, (laughs) oh my god. I just don't have the courage to ask
1: ever. I've got a cane.
0: What are you thinking for guests for this season? And I'm like, I don't know. I can't really think of anyone. I'm like, neither can I. (laughs) You're like, me either. I don't know. I definitely (laughs) wouldn't want to be on the podcast. Even if you asked me, I'd probably say no.
1: (laughs) I don't know any well-articulated, educated people, even on your team, that I could think of.
0: I'm like, so you think you're articulate? (laughs) Well, I said well-articulated, which is just not (laughs) – it should be articulate. (laughs) You're just actively contradicting yourself.
1: <laughs> well articulated. Yeah.
0: Oh, man. Well, it's been a long time coming, and I'm excited for this. I feel like we have so many students that are always asking you questions, and you obviously guest speak in DCA. You have you just sent me the screenshot the other day of whenever I originally messaged you to be like, mm-hmm. hey, would you work with me? And that was what? We started working together in, you said, July 2021.
1: That screenshot was from July, but we started working together in like February or March 2021. So it's been oh, like two wait, years wait. officially now.
0: That is, is crazy. crazy.
1: I know. That is so wild. We've been through a lot. <laughs> been through so We're much. So I should really do the math on, I was thinking this the other day, I was like, how many launches have I supported Jess through like over the course of working together? Oh I should gosh. really like
0: have the stats in my head. That It has to be like at least 15
1: Everyone no, place well, your best if we're down talking, below. If
0: we, <laughs> in the put comments your comment in the Spotify comment section that's now available thanks to
1: Kaylin. <laughs> Which now exists.
0: <laughs> I think it's well if we're counting like merch and podcasts and like everything in between,
1: it's probably yeah. like twenty
0: five. If not, it's more. been I've no, been here since more. the beginning of
1: the podcast, so it has to be yeah. five podcast seasons. Um All of three fluent, fluent university courses. Launches. Yeah, yeah. As well as, like, I've been here since DCA 3.0 or 4.0, so that's mm-hmm. like six DCAs. Yeah, I that's think it was 3.0. Disgusting. You we
0: were in 2.0, and I was like, I, I didn't even realize it in that screenshot. I was like, I desperately need help. I think I was like <laughs> drowning at the time, so I was like, When can you start? <laughs> you
1: Tomorrow? were like, I need Tonight? help. Lol. <laughs> LOL I'm
0: just like my head, You literally like
1: you, go, you go I am actually In desperate need Of a VA LOL All caps LOL
0: My It's like There's just fire Burning all behind me I'm like LOL I need help actually
1: You're like that uh, That gif of the dog Sitting in the burning building Yes
0: It's like It's fine This is fine Everything is fine uh, Can you help me yeah, I we've been through a lot. And I actually, whenever I messaged Kaylin, she was a VA and I messaged her and wanted to bring her on with the intention of her eventually becoming my OBM. And I think we'll get more into this, but I think that this is, I think a lot of people are really nervous to start their business because they feel like, oh, well, I don't know X, Y, and Z programs or why would anyone hire me? And the entire reason that I came to you is because I liked who you were as a person and I could tell you were a hard worker and you were resourceful and you were efficient and I was like she'll be able to pick up any of these programs very quickly so your role now in my business was not at all what you were doing at the time so Mm -hmm. I think that just might bring some comfort to anyone who is like feeling like just because they don't know a certain program that no one is going to hire them you know
1: yeah Everything is figure outable and also thank mm-hmm. you for saying that. It truly means a lot and like I felt a connection with you right off the bat too and like mm-hmm. all the clients that I had who like we built a relationship first, it just went to show how that yeah. like functions. Oh my God, mm-hmm. <laughs> just ate my headphones. In our client <laughs> relationship, like some of my best clients were like the people who I was like friends with first. So yeah. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. People hire you for who you are. People hire people. Mm-hmm. Remember that.
1: So okay true. so
0: i guess we should dive in we've spent six minutes talking about nothing <laughs> people have already closed six out of the minutes of us laughing yeah pretty much this is how it goes me and kaylin and courtney on a call <laughs> nothing's
1: getting accomplished <laughs> it's it's 29 and a half minutes of bits and then 30 seconds uh-huh. of okay so what are we doing
0: and screen sharing because we're like, you look like
1: Miley Cyrus
0: with your new haircut. Let's
1: look <laughs> at all the pictures of her on Google. And then it reminds me that my contact photo is, uh, or my contact photo for Courtney is that photo of Miley Cyrus with a gun, where she's like, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, not, <laughs> actually, not Miley Cyrus <laughs> with a gun. Miley Cyrus <laughs> with, with like. <laughs> real I photo it, like, i wish she's i could like put in it in jail the podcast right now <laughs> you know what i'm gonna link it in the episode description because it's Please an do. edited photo it's an edited photo it's that photo of miley Cyrus on the red carpet where she's got like a ton of eyeliner and her eyes are just popping out of her <laughs> that, head and someone it's like ed- the blue
0: eyes when people make fun of people with blue eyes and they're like yeah you're always yeah what blue, your people eyes with blue eyes open. look
1: like when they're looking at someone um and then someone's edited a gun like next to her as if she's holding it that's my contact photo for courtney because that's very much her energy my,
0: mine is uh courtney in the car looking back with and one of her eyes is open <laughs> she's like trying From to the brush her hair team. out of, yes she's like trying to pose and look cute and she's brushing her hair out of her face but only one of her eyes is
1: open. okay we're courtney. gonna add both of these photos for reference in, in the show notes
0: Courtney's listening to this she just beat her hands are just balled up it's like the Arthur meme
1: <laughs> she's planning the way she's gonna throw me under the bus
0: in her episode <laughs> well my contact photo for you is my maybe favorite photo of you it's oh from the my when you were asleep and I took a picture like so close to your face you're like yeah I don't think I actually can link that one I think there was like a yeah, no um with the file It's
1: really blurry. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. It wouldn't even be worth it if we linked
0: it, honestly. No. No.
1: No. Um, I don't think the viewers want to see that. I don't think the listeners care.
0: You just leave the the studio room.
1: (laughs) I'm like, okay, thanks, Jess. This was a great episode. Um, See you on the next one. This was awesome. But I'll be listening.
0: (laughs) I'm dying. I hope everybody's laughing with us they're not at us. <laughs> they're not they hate us now so um
1: that. also all of this laughing i need my water bottle so we're gonna go on a little journey into my
0: <laughs> office
1: really fast you can also cut
0: this out we're, want. we're traveling together
1: <laughs> we're taking a journey
0: no this is a, we're doing raw unedited real gritty oh shit podcast well MTV, welcome to my crib yeah kaylin's moved location once already it is like distinctly more echoey in the office than the living room. Yeah. It's that couch um, absorbing
1: the noise. We didn't want you guys to like listen to the episode and have it be like, Hi, welcome to the digital state of mind. I'm Jess. And then I come on and it's like, Hi, I'm Kaylin. <laughs> <You're> like, oh. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. We have shit to talk about, don't we? <laughs> we do. <laughs> like, it's
0: funny because I always feel like especially when i'm recording alone i'm like oh i have to like like make sure like re-record that so that it just like perfectly flows and then i'll listen to other people's podcasts and they're just like chat like genuinely just talking and like it's like you're sitting in on a conversation and i'm like why do i care so much if it like perfectly flows so yeah that's what we're leaning into this season
1: I love it. And honestly, when I'm listening to a podcast where it's just one person and I can tell that they cut something, I'm like, wait, I wanted to know what the stupid Mm -hmm. thing was. Like, even if it's, you know, something that you think is unpolished, like I think people connect with you that way.
0: Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, let's get into it. Ten minutes later, Kaylin. (laughs) Hi. (laughs) Tell us about your story. It's obviously like we said, you started working with me Two years ago at this point, you joined DCA 2.0 and we're now in 10.0, which is so wild. So yeah, tell us how you got started. How'd you find the online space? What were you doing before? All of those things.
1: Yes. So I was, I went to school for musical theater. The most, the thing you would think is like the most unrelated to the online business world in the world And while I was going to school for musical theater, I went to Ball State in Muncie, Indiana, the middle of nowhere. Uh, And while I was there, I worked with our recruitment coordinator in the Department of Theater and Dance. So that was my first experience with, like, you know, coordinating events and doing admin work and organizing chaos and Mm -hmm. um, talking with prospective students about my experience. And I really, really enjoyed that. And then Graduated straight into the pandemic. Literally, I joke that I graduated from my dad's couch because I did. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, so were, and- you, were you in
0: school? what Like when were you supposed to graduate or when did you graduate?
1: Yeah, so I was supposed to graduate spring it? of 2020. And oh, um, yeah. so. school was hashtag canceled at mm-hmm. the beginning of March or mid-March. I think it was the beginning mm-hmm. of March. So yeah, everyone went home. And I finished out my degree in my dad's basement. And um, yeah, we graduated virtually, which was really weird. But um, it was actually kind of cute. They had like a, you guys can come back and walk like two years later. Or maybe it was a year or so later. But Oh, I remember
0: that. I remember when you were talking to me about that. That You you didn't do it, right?
1: I actually did. Yeah, because my friends like, mm -hmm, my little group chat was like, why don't we all just do it and like, have fun like no one else wants to do it why don't we just like see each other Mm -hmm. we didn't get to see each other before the pandemic hit like screw it let's all go back and we did and we had a great time I'm glad we did but yeah I think that's a rare thing I haven't heard of a lot of universities doing that so that was cool um but yeah so I graduated straight into the pandemic where like no musical theater was happening um at all like I think the most that was happening was some like vocalist contracts and then there were like online things going on, but it was really tricky around that time. So um, I was working at the time that I looked into starting a business online, I was working two and a half jobs. (laughs) I was a chiropractic assistant. I was a special needs caregiver. And then I was also doing shipped shopping, um, which like, if you don't know, is basically like Instacart. Um, I love it. They just delivered my new vacuum yesterday, (laughs) shipped. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Imagine it's me. (laughs)
0: i'm like ariana what are you doing Like,
1: you're always joking about um you know firing me so i figured i might as well get some cushions just in case just in case (laughs) you never know um eight dollars an
0: hour sounds great
1: (laughs) i'm actually trying to replace my income with um ship shopping
0: um like 700 hours a week sorry i'm just (laughs) just the just
1: the vacuum deliveries yeah um so wait, where was I? Um Oh, yeah. I well, was you working found the like space. yeah. Yeah. Uh, at the time I saw Jess's TikTok, I was working two and a half jobs basically at the time. And I when I, I remember when I first saw your TikTok, I was like no way. Okay. Mm-hmm. Whatever. And then you came up again and I was like mm, okay. <laughs> Let's like stalk her page and see what's up. And so um after that I was hooked. I became obsessed with it. I remember there was a day that I was like making a return somewhere, like I was like running some errands and I called my mom and I was like, "Okay, so I've been looking into this thing. I know it sounds crazy, but I think I need to do it." And she was like, "How is this real?" And I was like, "I know. It sounds too good to be true, but mm-hmm. I looked into it. I did some research." Um so at that point I think I had purchased like the Fast Track to VA guide. And I had binged like all of your Instagram lives. And I literally kept like a notebook of notes, like just dedicated to what I was learning from the Instagram lives and all the free information. And then um, after that, I, I think from there, I was able to start my Instagram and I got like an about me post up and like a few others. And I was like, you know what? I really need like a push here. And I enrolled in The Digital Millennials Masterclass. So that was the October 2020 masterclass that I took. So I had my Instagram set up before taking the masterclass. And then shortly after the masterclass, I got my first client. And then once I got my second client, I was like, I want my handheld. So I enrolled in DCA and I was in the December round of DCA. And then by the time I graduated DCA 2.0, I was booked out with virtual assistant clients. And I think that was that was also around the time that you messaged me. I want to say it was like late February, early March. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then um, Jess was the first person to approach me about being an OBM, but... Even prior to that, I, w- I was finding that with my clients, I really liked working on the back end and helping them strategize, being their right-hand person, um, coming up with ideas for how to expand their business. And um, I really liked looking at the big picture with them rather than just helping them with the day-to-day, here, there, and everywhere tasks. And I found that I preferred working with like less clients on a bigger scale, like more closely than I preferred with working or then I preferred working with like a bunch of clients on a smaller scale. And so when you approached me about being an OBM, I was like, okay, I have no idea what that even means or like (laughs) how that works or what that looks like, but I will figure it out. And I feel like I'm kind of on the road there already. Mm -hmm. Um, And then after working with like an OBM mentor, I felt more prepared to kind of start making the transition into at the time, VA slash OBM, because I had some clients that it didn't really make sense to transition into an OBM level. And then some Mm -hmm. others that were like a very natural transition into that sort of package. So I was like a little bit of both. And then once I expanded those OBM packages, I felt comfortable enough to kind of refer out and offboard some of the virtual assistant clients to just focus on my OBM clients and I think by June July of 2021 I was a full-time OBM. Yeah.
0: It was I feel like it was pretty fast. Like we you yeah. <clears throat> I feel like we progressed very very quickly. Like I think that our first package was what like 5 hours a week. Is that what it was? Yeah, you know what?
1: I found my old like client spreadsheet where um <laughs> I was like keeping track of everyone and it does it doesn't mm-hmm. have like our first package but it has like one of the ones that we started with because we started at like yeah I want to say it was like five or seven or something it was like something random and then yeah, I think it was we five to, like and yeah go ahead
0: no I think I think it was five and then we were I feel like it was like Because I remember this happening with my clients too. Some of mine, it's like you start at a certain number and then you're like, oh my God, you're helping me so much. We need to like expand. So I think we went from like Mm -hmm. five to eight to 12. And then eventually it was just service-based pricing based off of what Mm -hmm. you were helping me with. But I feel like it was a very, very quick transition into that because it was just such a rapid like amount of growth in a short time.
1: Yeah. And I don't know how much you saw of this, but I was terrified because I, this was like the <laughs> one of the first times that I was in a leader position, leadership position mm-hmm. with a client where like I was in a place where I could give them their to do's for the week and mm-hmm. tell them what needed to be done and what I needed yeah. from them rather than like them telling me what they need from me all the time. So that yeah. was a really weird transition that, Kind of freaked me out, but that I kind of was like, all right, mm-hmm. balls to the wall. Like, I'm going to do it. Um Did you see any of that on your end? I'm so curious about this. I,
0: <clears throat> I think that we're both pretty open with each other. So I think that, like, I think we both created... I hope, a space where we can both be open in that way. So I think that I, Mm -hmm. I think there were some conversations where I was like, I can tell that you're nervous to like take the lead in this way, which makes sense. And it also helped that I had been on the opposite side of it and been helping clients as well, because I was like, I understand that feeling Uh, because whenever Mm -hmm. you're a VA or an OBM or anyone who a business owner hires you, you kind of feel like there's this natural hierarchy of like there's you and then there's the client that's above you because they're an experienced Mm -hmm. business owner and it feels really really weird to lean into that feeling of like okay I'm leading things in their business in a way Mm -hmm. but also like you feel weird about doing that but also on the other end of that the client that you're working with is has like decision overwhelm like they're making decisions every single day All day. And having someone there who can take the lead and be like, this is what needs to be done. I'm going to do these things. Is that okay with you? That is like a breath of fresh air and such a weight lifted off of your shoulders. And I think a lot of people are scared to lean into that, but that is one of the things that will 100% set you apart from other people. And Mm -hmm. I like distinctly remember you coming to me at one point and being like, okay here's a list of things. Do you want me to just like figure out what needs to be done and take the lead on this or do you want input on this? And I, at that point, trusted you so much that I was like, I trust you to just handle these things. And I talk about that with students a lot now because I'm like, that is like, that's such an amazing situation to be in where someone's coming to you being like, can I just do this for you? Can I make executive decisions on this? Or do you want input? It's so relieving to be like, I trust you, you just do it. So for yeah. anyone listening, that's a great kind of tactic to take with your clients, especially if you're eventually wanting to lead into that like OBM strategist type role. That's that's really huge. But I do remember, I mean, that's a it's a big transition going from VA to OBM. So I totally understand why you were feeling that way.
1: Yeah, 100%, because it requires so much confidence and trust that you know what you're doing and that, like, your client trusts you, Um, Mm -hmm. and I remember making that chart. I, on one side, put run by, and on the other side, I put run with, and we had basically the whole list in – run with and there were like two or three things left in run by um but at that point I had been working with you for a while to where like all of the things that we put in run with I was like cool got it and Mm -hmm. I think if I had had that conversation with you any sooner I would have been like okay with all of the things that were in like the run with category (laughs) um you said something else a second ago that I wanted to touch on um shoot 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 was it like the decision overwhelm thing Maybe wait. I'm I'm tracking back. I I'm so mad that I lost this thought. You're gonna have to like maybe cut out this space where I'm like thinking of it.
0: I just repeat all of it over <laughs> again.
1: <laughs> okay, wait. You were saying,
0: um, you're like making decisions a lot. You yeah, it's a weight off your shoulders. It. I was also talking about how that's a big thing that can set you apart from other people. Yeah, is, like
1: taking the lead. I think it was that um, making that chart and having that conversation with you, first of all, like, I think us having our open communication from the start, like, allowed that to happen, like, down the road. But then Mm -hmm. also, like, making that chart kind of honestly looking back, like, marked my transition into OBM because, like, there were a lot of things that I was still – like checking in with you on and making sure like Mm -hmm. sounded good. And that was honestly kind of a time sucker where like most of the time that I was checking in with you on those things, you were like, yeah, cool. Trust you. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. Um, And I ended up applying that same concept to a lot of the clients that I had on a virtual assistant level that I transitioned Mm -hmm. into an OBM level. And that only came like after a good period of getting to know them, getting to know their preferences, what they like, what they don't like and how their business runs on a regular basis so that I could like take a look at the things that could be taken off of their plate or could be automated and say like, okay, do you feel like you want to be constantly watching these things or are these things that you trust to just go in the background at this point? Mm -hmm. Um, Which I think is a lot of what an OBM should do is like minimize the list of things that a CEO has to actually physically do or physically Mm -hmm. look at or physically watch.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's, I feel like, and like I said, it's so scary to make that transition, but you can implement these things even when you're a VA. Like you don't have to be Mm -hmm. in the OBM role to be able to be implementing this kind of concept of like, but we've talked about it before being proactive. Versus mm-hmm. reactive, like waiting for someone to tell you to do something versus taking the lead on it and being like, this needs to be done. This is my action plan. Is there any feedback? That is, it, it's like I said, it's so refreshing for someone who is constantly making decisions and constantly being in the position of having to figure things out themselves. Mm-hmm. We're often so scared to do that, but p- business owners want that. And Again, I think that that's one of the things that helped me get to the rate, like hourly rate that I was charging so quickly. And I think it's the same thing for you, is just kind of embracing that, even though it is terrifying. It's so yeah. scary. It's like going to your boss in a corporate job and being like, this needs to be done. This is my mm-hmm. plan for it. Are you good with that? We're we're usually in the position of waiting for someone to tell us to do things and when you do that I think there's also this kind of combines with the fact that a lot of business owners don't know how to delegate like it it can be really really hard to look at your business and be like okay what needs to be done what do I need to do and what does someone else need to do especially when you're so involved in it sometimes you have to have an extra set of eyes on things to be able to figure out what you should be doing or need to be doing versus what someone else can easily take over.
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think you just mentioned two of the main things that set a virtual assistant apart from an online business manager, which like the first one is being proactive versus reactive. And the other one is being able to look at the bird's eye view um, and delegate from there, like project manage on behalf of your client. Um And I think when we think of like virtual assistant and online business manager, both of those terms feel so hard to explain to people who aren't in the online business world sometimes because they can be sort of these catch-all terms for a lot of varieties of services, like especially virtual assistant, like you can be considered a jack of all trades. You can be like a virtual assistant who specializes in things like marketing, social media management, things like that. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times you're kind of doing the here, there and everywhere and um, catering those services to what your client needs. And sometimes as an OBM, you're doing a lot of that, but there are more set like services that differ from virtual assistant. And I think the biggest thing that sets those things apart is the scale of it. Like, The virtual assistant is more focused on, like, the zoomed-in tasks, like, the day-to-day stuff, whereas, like, an OBM is focused on the bird's-eye-view, like, zoomed-out tasks, and they become, Mm -hmm. like, the people who are delegating and collaborating with people themselves on a larger scale rather than the ones that are being delegated to and collaborated with.
0: Yeah. I agree. You're working on a lot of higher level tasks as an OBM. And that's kind of what it's, it's kind of the same concept as how with an, with a VA, if you're only focusing on things like admin tasks, it's going to be really hard for you to get to that point where you're charging higher prices because you're, it's kind of a lower level tasks. Whereas with an OBM or even some VAs, depending on what they offer, You're focusing on higher level tasks and then, like you said, delegating. But with that being said, I think we've kind of talked about, you know, the differences a bit between virtual assistants and online business managers. But how do you feel like that kind of relates to the relationship specifically that you have with your client when you're a virtual assistant versus when you are an online business manager?
1: Yeah, um, I think... The main thing is, well, apart from like being delegated to versus being like the delegator and the collaborator versus like being collaborated with, um, I think the online, like we already basically touched on this, but I think the client relationship when you're an OBM requires a huge level of trust um, and Mm -hmm. it takes time to kind of build to that, which is why I think it's one of those things that like... A lot of people come to us and always ask like, okay, can I just start as an OBM or should I start as a virtual assistant knowing that I'm going to become an OBM and like this may be a hot take. I've heard people say otherwise and it's not necessarily impossible to just start as an OBM, but I always recommend that you start as a virtual assistant or somewhere in the online space before transitioning did I say virtual assistant? That you start as a virtual assistant yeah. before transitioning into an online business manager. I had the word online business manager in my head, like while I was saying.
0: That. I was like, <laughs> That's like um, the only thing you're saying.
1: <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, you said VA. online business <laughs> um, Where was I going with that? The, the literally people, just lost I my. I think we
0: have the same. Law. We have the same take on this that you should start as a VA or some yeah. type of service provider first.
1: Yeah, because I think. Being an OBM requires like not only a level of trust between you and your client, but also like a knowledge of how their business typically runs because from there, mm-hmm. you can kind of like consolidate and like close the gaps between things that could be automated, things that could be handed off to you, things that could be handed off to a different kind of contractor, mm-hmm. um, and basically just make their lives easier on a large scale rather than on a day-to-day, here, there, and everywhere scale.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think it's also really nice to be able to be in the virtual assistant role first so that you kind of understand like where their mindset is when you eventually are an OBM and you're delegating to them. Like it's, it's, it's a lot different situation to be able to be like, okay, I experienced this. I know what it's like. I know kind of how people function in this role. I think that that really enables you to be like a good leader as an OBM.
1: Yeah. Thank you. And I think like, That's also part of why I've always loved having you as a client is because like you've also sat on my side of the table. I think Mm -hmm. being an OBM who has sat at multiple seats at the table makes you so incredibly valuable because you know Mm -hmm. how different roles function and you know how they like work in a team. Um, You know what it's like to be delegated to Um, and you know Mm -hmm. how it feels when people do that shittily also. Like you know how it feels when people aren't as kind about it or understanding right. about it, or they don't give you the tools that you need to complete the task. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that those things are basically essential to being an OBM, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I definitely think you should start somewhere else before transitioning into OBM. That doesn't mean it's impossible.
0: Yeah. I think that, well, it kind of depends on your corporate roles too. Like I think there are some yeah. people that come into the online space that are have been like executive assistants for five years. So you may kind of understand that position and be able to very like seamlessly transition into OBM. But I think because OBM is something that's talked about so frequently, a lot of people feel like they can just go straight into it. But I think the kind of slow burn, slow build to that is going to Sustain you a lot more than you just kind of throwing yourself into it, and you can make Mm -hmm. that transition pretty quickly. Like, I've known many people who have made that transition within like four months, yeah, and kind of done both, like you said, done VA and OBM, and then kind Mm -hmm. of after like six months, fully transition into OBM. So, it's not something that takes like years to transition into either,
1: yeah. I mean, when you think about it, being an OBM really boils down to like leadership skills, management skills. Critical thinking skills, decision making mm-hmm. skills, and analysis skills. And if you've been in a corporate position where you're using any of those, you can apply those. You know, they're all, mm-hmm. um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, applicable? Relevant. Not the right word. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: I think that's the right sk-
1: word. The skills that transit, that um, like apply. Yeah. It's like a specific Relevant. word and I'm losing it. Uh, you know what? That's also going to be linked in we're the show notes like, is the word that I'm thinking we're gonna, of. Right we're going to pause this so we can go on dictionary.com for a <laughs> <ten> minutes. <laughs> oh my God. I come up with every synonym. Um, but I will also say that like, for example, if I had gone right into OBM from mm-hmm. my position where I was working with the Department of Theater and Dance, for example, where I was like working with mm-hmm. a recruitment coordinator, I think learning all of the stuff that I know now about project management, launch support, contractor coordination, like all of those mm-hmm. like high level skills, I think would have been really, really overwhelming for me to take on on top of just like literally registering an LLC, getting an EIN, like yeah. figuring out how ClickUp works. Like there mm-hmm. are so many things from the virtual assistant role that are incredibly buildable into OBM that I mm-hmm. think it's its a really hard step to skip. But- yeah. If you are someone who, like me, has the everything is figure outable attitude, um, then it is, you know? Yeah. And I think that's also mm-hmm. one of the main. Sorry, what were you going to say?
0: No, go ahead. Go ahead.
1: I think, like, the everything is figure outable attitude is, like, one of the main things that also makes a good OBM because. Mm-hmm when you aren't so reliant on asking your client the questions and like, this is a great skill to have as a virtual assistant as well, like as any online service provider. But when you're not so reliant on asking your client, the questions of how to do something or going to them Mm -hmm. before trying to like exhaust every other online resource there is possible. um, You're also, you're saving your, yourself a lot of time. You're saying you're Mm -hmm. saving your client a lot of time. Um, And then you're, basically building on those skills for them on a high level from there.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that relates to kind of people. I think a lot of people, including me, when you join the online space, you feel like you have to know everything before you start and yeah. know every program in and out and, you know, be like very educated on all of these different programs before you offer a service. And I think that what you were saying kind of leads into a question I have for you about kind of like starting to, because for example, like we host our courses in Kajabi. So DCA Mm -hmm. is in Kajabi. Pretty much everything is in there. And that, if I'm not mistaken, is something that you weren't familiar with before you started working with me. So I, I think that it would be great for people to have some insight from like the other perspective of kind of I guess, like you said, starting to accept the fact that everything is figure outable and kind of navigating that situation where you're starting to work with programs or clients are hiring you for things that you aren't initially proficient at. If yeah. Speak to that.
1: Of course. Yeah. I think that's one of the biggest thoughts that like holds us back in the beginning is like, oh my God, but I don't know how to do that. Or I'm not mm-hmm. qualified for this because I've never worked in this yet. But if you have the everything is outable attitude, then you already know that you're going to figure it out. Like, that's the thing that I always would say to myself as a virtual assistant when something would come up that I had no idea. I had no idea how to do it. I would be like, okay, you have no idea how to do this. That's okay. What you do know yeah. is how to be resourceful and how to look mm-hmm. things up and how to watch videos and how to learn and how to tinker around and... So I think something that helped me when I was initially a virtual assistant was I would ask a lot of questions about like the platforms and programs that the client uses, like even in their form to schedule a discovery call with me so that, for example, if there was something I was unfamiliar with like Kajabi, I could then go like set up a free trial and set up my own little account my own little account and tinker around in there as if I was already my client or as if I was like setting up the system for myself. And that way I felt way more confident even going into that discovery call to be like, yeah, I'm familiar with it. Like, what do you need?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've used it before. <laughs> I've for used it For five minutes, before. but still.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it just gives you that extra confidence and familiarity. Um, and like, That's another tip that I would give like anyone who is scared about feeling like they're underqualified or like they can't like put themselves out there until they know how to use this platform, that platform, do like hashtag research, whatever it is that you feel like is in the way of you and putting yourself out there for clients that you really want to work with. Um, Mm -hmm. Pretend like you are trying that service or trying that platform or program for your own business first. Act as though you are your own client and use it for your business so that you can familiarize yourself with it. And then you've at least done it once and you have some level of confidence going into it. And I think you'll find that like there's a lot of information out there about these things that feel Mm -hmm. like enigmas to us. Like I squeezed so much information out of help centers like Kajabi's help center, for example, is like Mm -hmm. a plethora of knowledge, like Dubsado's help center. Fantastic. Like if there's a platform or program you're unfamiliar with, go to their help center it's more than likely that they have videos on how to do the exact thing that you're wondering about. Um, Those really became like my source of education when it came to like anything I was unfamiliar with in the beginning.
0: Yeah. I think we're so used to like someone else dictating what our learning timeline is like that we are like, there's no way I could learn this in 24 hours. But mm-hmm. I remember there was a client that I had. It was my second client and her website was on WordPress. And I was like, oh my God, are you kidding me? Like <laughs> This is the most difficult platform to learn to me. And I figured out what I needed to learn within like a few hours during the day. Yeah. And I think that once, whenever your own learning is in your hands, you're speed at learning and your capacity to learn something is so much higher than Mm -hmm. it is when you're, you know, kind of given a curriculum by someone else. So I think that it kind of is, is, it's just a matter of like unlearning certain things as well. But um, kind of backtracking a little bit, I think that a lot of people are curious about the packages like pricing side of things when it comes to an OBM versus basically like you know hourly packages versus service-based packages versus retainer packages so can you speak a little bit to the difference between let's say a VA package versus an OBM package in terms of pricing
1: yeah, 100%. Um this isn't always going to be true, but for the most part, virtual assistants are going to be more on hourly based packages or done for you service packages. So what that means is like you may have a scale of like three packages where you start at like the first one's at 5 hours per week, the second one's at 10 hours per week, the third one's at 15 hours per week and that has scaled pricing. Or, if you are a virtual assistant who specializes in marketing, for example, you might offer specialized done for you service packages like one off hashtag research or um, content planning or blog management, um, or even Pinterest management can be like a specific done for you service package. Um, Whereas, as an online business manager, you have a regular set of services that you're doing for your client on a regular basis and that is usually done on a retainer package. This doesn't mean that you can't do things hourly and a lot of online business managers also offer those done for you service packages like for online business managers you could do like a Dubsado setup as a done for you package or mm-hmm. a simple lead funnel as a done for you service package or you could do launch launch support strategy calls as like a separate service. But for the most part, you're going to be working on a retainer, which if you don't know, a retainer is essentially based on the regular services that you're providing for that client on a regular basis. Um, and it's like an estimate of those services at an hourly rate plus tax, essentially, is what I would qualify as a retainer.
0: Yeah. I think it's it's hard because with like service based packages and retainers, it's very elusive. Like, there's no yeah. extreme right or wrong with them. You're kind of just. I mean, it's very. I feel like it's really, really hard to determine what your service based or retainer packages are going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something we've kind of grown with. Like as you've worked with me over time. But I remember even when I was VA, there was a specific client that I had that was wanting a retainer package. And I, I remember that feeling of like, how am I supposed to create this package? Because whenever you're on a retainer, you're kind of just working for the client. And something that I always encourage the students that I work with to do is only do retainer packages with clients that you really trust because... Mm -hmm. There are some clients that will take advantage of the fact that it's a retainer and you're just kind of working for them. And at certain points, you could be working like 30 hours a week or you could be working 10 hours a week. So can you kind of talk to when you should do a retainer package with a client or like what types of clients you should do retainer packages with?
1: Yeah, it's kind of tricky. I think also what you were talking about with like having to set boundaries with clients that like might take advantage of something like a retainer package with an hourly yeah. based situation. It's easier for you to be like, okay, if I were to do this extra thing that you want me to do, that's actually beyond my hours for this week or my hours for this month. So that would be X amount of dollars essentially, or that that would take me X amount of time. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So I think for example, with you, I think we started on hourly and we did mm-hmm a couple of months at hourly until I kind of got the feel for the regular types of tasks and the specific areas of your business that you needed me in basically at all times. Um, and that, yeah, that came with time. I think it was like maybe month four that we transitioned into retainer. Um, so I would say once you kind of have the hang of once you, you know what, I think that chart conversation is a really good marker of time um and a really good indicator of okay now we know exactly like what is what I'm going to be taking on on a regular basis mm-hmm. for you and you can build essentially you can look at all of those things that you put in the um run with category and you can make your retainer based package off of like those things like if it's like mm-hmm. you know this email or, like, calendar management, things like that. Like, those are all individual services that you can, like, create a retainer with. So I think once you have sort of that set list of things with a client that are, are like, you are taking those things on for me and I don't really need to check in with you on them that much, I would say that's when it's time to transition into retainer. What do you think?
0: Yeah. No, I think so, too. I I think that we are, like, so – impatient and want instant instant gratification that we're like, I just want to immediately transition to this thing. But it really does take time. Because I think it was around the same amount of time for me before Mm -hmm. I kind of started transitioning with that one client to a retainer. I think it was around four months, four or five months. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Um, Because you do really need to have an understanding of their business. And it's very difficult to gauge what they need help with and then the pricing that correlates with that. If you don't, if they're just kind of telling you what they need help with, because you really have to be like in there and understand what you're actually going to be doing day to day before you make that transition. But it is really hard. I mean, it's with service-based pricing. I think we kind of always, you know, resort to you kind of consider the services that you're doing, you times that by your hourly rate, and then you add, you know let's say 15, 20% on top of that, but it's it's not black and white. So it's really, really Mm -hmm. hard to kind of figure out your service-based pricing. I generally tell people that when you make that transition, you're probably going to underprice yourself at first because it's your first time transitioning into that. So most people end up underpricing themselves and then you kind of have to adjust with your next client or three months down the line, you... You know, switch prices with your original client. So I think that it just takes time and understanding of your business and their business as well. Mm-hmm. But with that being said, I do also want to ask you what struggles specifically you had when you were in the process of pivoting from being a VA to then transitioning to OBM because I think that can be a very scary time for a lot of people. And like we've kind of talked about a little bit, you're stepping more into leadership and that can feel really weird when you feel like you're working for someone instead of like working with them. So Yeah. yeah, what were some of the struggles you faced?
1: Yeah, I think the first one was kind of navigating my client load because like that's the first part of the transition really. I had I think at the time I had seven total clients and there were a few that I was still doing like virtual assistant and even like marketing stuff for that. I was like, you know what? Um, I am not able to give these clients the best service that I possibly can because I am not an SMM and I have found that out. And I think that I can, A, once... Once I expand some of my packages with the clients that I'm transitioning into OBM, then I'd feel more comfortable referring them out. Um, So that was kind of the first thing is figuring out like what my capacity looked like, because when you start expanding um, specifically from like a virtual assistant package to an OBM package, you're taking on a lot more responsibility. And that can be it can be hard to gauge when you're not any longer on like an hourly package, how long those things are going to take you, especially when they are sometimes new services or new skills, things that you're learning, like, as you go. So, like, for example, I think with you and another client, I was learning Asana for the first time. And, like, once you learn certain project management, like, platforms, a lot of that knowledge is usually applicable. But, like, there were some, like, nuances to Asana that I had never seen before. And um, that was taking me a little bit more time as well because we were, transitioning some of our old like documentation and or like you know content planning charts and things like that into a new platform so um anyways I think it was time management and client capacity were like some of the first challenges um that I kind of had to navigate but once i felt comfortable enough to sort of refer and offboard those clients out and i was obm full time um i think some of the things we talked about like um like being a leader and trusting myself to be like okay this is what we need in order to accomplish this thing um and whether that was a launch whether that was just a project whether that was like content creation i always was like I always was worried that I was forgetting something or that Mm -hmm. there was something that I was missing because when you're in that high level position, there's no one above you to check with. Like it's you and me. So like, and I can't be checking with you on every little thing anymore. So at that point, I think that was some of the fear was like, okay, there are going to be times where I'm going to make a mistake where I'm going to think I'm right And I can't shy away from those things. I have to do my best and try to cover every like possible corner that I can. And when I don't, I'm going to have to own the mistake and figure it out and move on. And um, I think you and I had a good relationship in particular where I was like, oh, yep, that was me fixing (laughs) it right now. (laughs) Um, So I think that was some of the the anxious fear in me bubbling up from the initial transition.
0: Yeah. I love what you said about the fear of making a mistake because I think that's something that a lot of people worry about coming into starting their online business is what if I mess up or what if like worst case scenario happens? And I think we kind of think that the baseline is that you should never make mistakes. And if we do, Mm -hmm. it's like detrimental. So I, I, this is kind of a two-part question, but I would love to know how you kind of like handle mistakes that happen because everyone obviously makes mistakes. But then also the side of it where you're like working as an OBM. So you're on retainer and you are, you know, paid a certain amount for a certain amount of not deliverables necessarily, but a certain amount of work per month. But also things when like, mental health days come up or you are taking vacation or you know anything really is coming up in your life how do you kind of handle all of those things
1: yeah I mean I will say I do feel really privileged to have like you as a client in particular who kind of gets it like um yeah we've both made mistakes like with each other and Mm -hmm. at this point we're just like oh yep that was me Mm -hmm. (laughs) and um I think there's a lot to be said about like just being able to own the mistake and mm-hmm. like I yeah I, I remember at the beginning I was so afraid to do something wrong um, mm-hmm. but I couldn't learn how to do my job if I didn't do things I didn't know how to do and if I didn't yeah. put myself in positions I had like never been in before so mm-hmm. um, a lot of that was just going balls to the wall and then when I did make a mistake um, definitely just owning it and taking accountability for it and instead of like maybe over apologizing and being like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Unless yeah. it was something like, you know, where you really like, I don't know, You delete my entire Instagram. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you were like, or you were like a deliberate asshole. I don't know. Um, like, oh yeah, I meant to delete your entire Instagram because I hate you. Um, you just text me and you're like, Jess, you're a bitch. Oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to send that. <laughs> Um, hey, just a heads up, I deleted your entire Instagram because I hate you. Also, I'm quitting. Because I hate you. Bye.
0: <laughs> I'm like, well, I was going to fire you anyway, so it
1: doesn't even freaking matter to me. Um, <laughs> God damn it. Uh, well, guys, it's been great. Uh, see you in the next episode uh, because <laughs> I'm firing Jess and I'm taking over. No, um, I think one of the things that, number one, like, I at the beginning was and still actually am a chronic double checker triple checker and quadruple checker like when there was something I was worried about I would like send it to a friend or even my dad like thank you to my dad if he's listening to this because he has like proofread so many (laughs) shout out to dad sprinkle because he has proofread so many of my professional emails of me being like does this sound okay or do I sound like a wuss um So, yeah, I think double checking and also like looking over your work, because if you can catch a mistake before it goes out or before your client mm-hmm. is like, hey, what about this thing? Then awesome. But sometimes there's there's inevitably going to be situations where that yeah. doesn't happen. And so instead of like over apologizing for it, I think being like, oh, my gosh, thank you for bringing that to my attention. I'll get right on it, fixing it right now. Um, or like, oh, that was totally me. My mistake. Like, yeah. Um, I think that's another, like, email thing that I was taught of, like, instead of being like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry you had to wait on my response, being like, thank you for your patience. Yep. I do <laughs> um, that all the time. <laughs> even though you're, like, behind behind your laptop, like, shaking with your hands, being like, yep. thank you for your patience. <laughs> um, <laughs> you're just crying. Yeah. Yeah, literally <laughs> sobbing. Um, yeah. Did that answer the first question? Yes. Okay, and the second question was, can you remind me? It was like
0: kind of how do you kind of handle like mental health days or days where you're like or even like vacations, things like that when you are like I feel like I have this obligation to a client because we're no longer yeah. on hourly based packages, but we're on a retainer or service based packages. How mm-hmm. do you kind of navigate that?
1: Yeah. I think before even getting into like going on vacation or like taking mental health days, I think one of the things that has helped me so much with being on a retainer, no offense, is setting like internal boundaries and having things like an auto responder or like your focus modes on your phone set up to only have specific people contact you during specific times. Even like um Certain apps like Slack, for example, has a setting where you can say, okay, don't notify me at all before like 8 or 9 a.m. or 10 a.m. whenever you start working um, or anytime after whatever, 5 p.m., 6 p.m. whenever you finish work. Um, And I think setting those things up, they seem so small, but they really offer a lot of like peace of mind in the background when you are um, like not in a place where you can work or you are on vacation or... um, anything comes up like so I would say definitely set internal boundaries as well and then when it comes to like taking vacations and things like that I try to give as much notice as possible and um, I also will like drop it in Jess's calendar like I'll put it in my calendar I'll put it in Jess's calendar like Kaylin's out of office and usually um, we will set like specific days that we might be reachable or we'll just say we're not reachable during that time just to clarify Mm -hmm. Um, and that usually helps, but if it's something like a mental health day where like inevitably those things are going to pop up and like, they're going to hit you out of the blue and it's going to suck and you're going to feel guilty, but, um. I usually communicate it as soon as it happens and or as soon as I can sort of like feel it coming on and I usually just send a message where I'm like hey um today is not a good day um I'm <laughs> gonna take day. It. it's not today <laughs> um I'm gonna be taking a bit of a mental health day and then it's always good when you are sending a message like that to kind of set an expectation of when you plan on coming back or when you plan on yeah getting back to something or even if it's just like Mm -hmm. a message that you missed and you're like out or something and you know Mm -hmm. you want your client to know like hey I got you I hear you I I see your message I will get back to this when I'm Mm -hmm. back on this date or when I Mm -hmm. hop back in the office at this time like I think that's always a good um, point of communication as well can you think of anything to add there I think, just, I think this just
0: kind of all speaks to the fact that when you are like, as your business grows and you get more clients and you're kind of starting to level up in a way, starting to really be like specific with who you work with or who you do something like retainer packages with is so important because when you are that way, you start working with people that just get it. Like if you ever message me for and you need a mental health day or you're going out of town or whatever it is, I'm like, okay, great. Because I trust you and I know that you have everything under control. Same thing with me. Like yesterday, I was like, today's not my day. I'm struggling with some stuff and uh, can you please reschedule this for me? And you're like, totally. I got you. So I think that Working with people that understand that side of things and get you and are not expecting perfection all the time is so important because whenever you do work with people that do get it and are not expecting so much from you, that's when you have, like you said, or like you've said many times, that kind of trust aspect where you're like, I, you could take vacation for like two weeks during the month, but I trust you. So then I know that you'll handle things and you'll have everything under control outside of that. And it's not something that I need to be stressed about. So I think the underlying theme here is just working with people that you trust. And it can take time to build up to that. Like most of the time, people initially, you have some clients where you're like so excited to get your first client. I mean, my first client was a fitness coach, which was totally outside of my niche, and I was just so excited to have a client in general that I was like, yeah, let's let's do it, and I loved her. I loved her as a person, but it was not something I was passionate about, so I kind of really struggled with that, so I eventually transitioned out of working with her and referred her to someone else, but um, I think just kind of listening to that intuition and really trying to aim for working with people that you align with versus just taking anyone on as a client just because they're a client for you.
1: Yeah, 100%. And I think sometimes there are indicators of that. Like Mm -hmm. one of them, this may not always be the case, but like for you, I felt really comfortable with you because you had been in my position before. And I think this Mm -hmm. goes back to what we were talking about before about like people who have sat multiple seats at the table sat yeah. at multiple seats at the table they really get it because they know exactly how how you feel they know what it's like to be in mm-hmm. your position um they know what you need to get your job done um and they're gonna be cool about it most likely mm-hmm. um and I think the second indicator that I just thought of while you were speaking about that was that it's a no-brainer like I was trying to think like when did I realize Jess was a client that I would like to be on retainer with? like there wasn't like a moment of that it was just right. like duh like, obviously, yeah. like, I just get it with you. Like, and mm-hmm. I'm just so grateful that we've had the relationship that we've had for two years, two years. Yeah. Two years. Yeah. um, Because it truly makes for such a comfortable, like, team and a comfortable working environment. um, mm-hmm. And I think it's like, it's a level of mental health and yeah, just comfort that I don't think. Um I felt like in the corporate world or even like in college or with even other clients like it's yeah. it's a very rare thing, but it's one of those like oh duh, like situations mm-hmm. kind of when you know you know,
0: yeah, I think what you just said about the corporate world that's like we're so used to, i mean we've talked about kind of like ways that you're uh molded by the corporate world, but it's kind of the same mm-hmm. situation here like. I never, I, I actually genuinely loved my boss and his wife. Like I, I really, really, really loved them. And I still Mm -hmm. am in contact with them today, but I, you feel weird being like, Hey, I'm really sad today. I need a day (laughs) because I'm like, I'm going to be maybe crying all day in front of patients. (laughs) I got some maybe like depression (laughs) kicking in. <laughs> yeah that's not like a viable excuse it's like either <laughs> I'm ill and i can't come into work or i have to come into work
1: so yeah. i think What's odd is so like... many yeah sorry i just also think no, it's such a generational thing like people Anyways. in our generations just like get it and they're like oh yeah you have depression that is just as valid as you having strep throat yeah. like yeah um i wouldn't want you to work that way like that's worse right. don't do that Um, And I think that is part partially due to like different generational ideologies, Mm -hmm. but yeah, go, go on. So sorry. I just thought of that. No,
0: it's no, I totally agree. And it's like, It's almost that mentality of like, this generation is so lazy or they just (laughs) don't want to work. And that's not the case at all. Like people, especially in the online space, like people love to work. People love to be creative. They love helping clients. They love like building something for themselves. But I think that there's a lot of people, (laughs) excuse me, that are from different generations or are older that are almost like envious of the way that Younger generations have kind of built um, the workforce. Like Mm -hmm. in the online space, you have the ability to start a business and literally do whatever you want, travel as often as you want, while also making six figures or seven figures in your business. And I think there's a lot of people who did not have that chance that look at that and are like, ah, like bitter in a way.
1: Yeah, Which or they think it's not <laughs> as valid. Yeah, or they think uh-huh. it's, like, not real because of that, because it's not the way that I did it. Back in my right. day, I had to walk to school. You know yeah, what I mean? Back like, in my day. <laughs> <laughs> it's, almost like, um, it, it's almost like the sort of, like, feeling like you need to pay your dues situation mm-hmm. or, like, mm-hmm. understand the way that it was. But yeah. why? When you can have right. it better. Right. It, yeah, if you're not, like,
0: literally – like basically just burning yourself out 24 seven working Mm -hmm. all the time, having no free time, then you're not like worthy of being able to make a lot of money or worthy of being able to travel. And that's such a, that's such a weird mindset to have to Mm -hmm. me. So I feel like because of that, a lot of us are very like either, whether it's from our parents or, you know, just family friends or the jobs that we were in we're very used to having that mindset of like, I can't take a mental health day. I can't yeah. tell someone like I'm struggling with depression or I am struggling with like anything because there's kind of this like very thin mold of what is a viable excuse and what is not mm-hmm. a viable excuse. Yeah, And I think that the online space has changed that a lot um, kind of like we've been talking about. there, are just, there's such a possibility to be able to have both. Like you can make six figures, you can make seven figures, you can also travel whenever you want. You can also uh, take days off whenever you're really struggling with something and that doesn't mean anything less. It doesn't mean you're not a hard worker. It doesn't mean you're not, you know, a successful business owner, but we've just
1: been so conditioned to think that that is the case. Yeah. And back to like the other ways that, coming from the corporate world into like the online business management world or the online business world has sort of like stuck with us. Um, Even when I do take mental health days now or vacations, I still have that like background guilt of like feeling like I need to check my email just in case or like Mm -hmm. feeling like I'm not, you know, doing enough or being productive enough or mm-hmm. anything like that. And it's, it's still hard to shake even when I do have internal boundaries in place. Um, but it is always comforting to work with someone who gets it. Like that is honestly yeah. part of the cure of it is like you being like, no, please go take it. Yeah. Like go live. Yeah. Um, because I think like we, uh, generationally like value our lives outside of our screens and our lives outside mm-hmm. of our like work and business, um, just mm-hmm. as much as we value our lives in it. Um and I think yeah. that that's that's another put huge... that on a graphic. <laughs> <laughs> <That> Courtney! <laughs> I
0: was like, Courtney, where are you? Come on, I know you're listening to this.
1: <laughs> put it on a pillow on a graphic.
0: <laughs> put it on a tapestry. Why well, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know, I I totally agree. And it, it's it, it, i still feel the same way i feel that guilt it's it's so weird I'm just like so deep in you it is yeah because i feel the exact same way i feel the guilt of like oh god like are they gonna be upset at me for this or am i gonna miss mm. something or you know whatever it sucks it's it just yeah. it takes like literally years of unlearning it
1: yeah if not but like also decades. like it's yeah a hundred percent and honestly when i think about it like I would much rather take my day of guilt than mm-hmm. going into work and like working while I feel like shit anyway. Like I would rather take my my day of guilt where I'm taking care of myself and, and or going on vacation um, than like trying to be productive when it's honestly probably going to be counterproductive to get anything yeah. done
0: there's literally no point. I feel like we do that all the uh, time. <laughs> I remember even doing that in my corporate jobs like there would be days where I was like going through a breakup or I was just really feeling down or I was sick but I was kind of like forced to come into work
1: hmm. and you
0: literally accomplish nothing. Like you're just yeah. kind of like a shell of a human the entire day, yeah.
1: which is just we ridiculous. We lose more time of me Going to the bathroom, crying a little bit, and then yep. coming out and like sitting at the desk trying to breathe, than like me staying at home mm-hmm. and just taking care of myself to begin with. Yeah. I'm a chronic yeah. bathroom crier. I used to go to the bathroom and cry <laughs> at work like all the time. Also, like in college, that's always where my friends would find me is like, oh, where's Kaylin? She's in the bathroom in the crying bathroom having a panic attack. <laughs> that's, just, that's your I had that a that stall you're stuck at too. home. I literally had a like chosen stall.
0: You just wrote "Kaylin" in Sharpie <laughs> on the front of it. <laughs> should
1: stall. Get, I should uh, start. I should have taken like a Polaroid of me every time I went in there and started uh-huh. like putting them on the wall.
0: <laughs> oh, that was so funny. Well, as a kind of final question to you, I obviously we have a lot of people who are we have a lot of people who are experienced business owners, but we have a lot of very, very new people who either Mm -hmm. have just started their business or haven't started at all. Um, So what would be your, because we've both been in your shoes. If you're in that situation where you are thinking about starting your business, but you're nervous, you're scared, you're wondering what other people will think. What is your advice to those people who are at the very, very, very beginning stages, and they're kind of having to make that decision of, am I going to do this or
1: am I going to just kind of stay in my comfort zone? Hmm. Do you mean people who are currently virtual assistants or people who are not yet in the online business world? Yeah, not yet in the online business world. Hmm. I think, and like Jess always like says this, but think of where you could be in six months time. Like, and also if it's feeling so, It's so hard sometimes to picture yourself in that position because it feels so unfamiliar um, and it feels so like too good to be true. Like I literally stalked Jess for like several months before even thinking about learning more about the online space. Um, But I would suggest reaching out to people that you know have done it and asking them about their experience. Like DM me. I don't care. Like let's talk about it Um, because it is real and it is valid. And, um, if you start now, think of where you could be in six months time. I mean, it took me a month and a half to get two of my first clients. And then it took me from October of 2020 until February of 2021 to get completely booked out as a VA. And I had at that point quit my two other jobs. So start now. And if you're scared The only way out is through. That's my favorite phrase. And I think it came from Alex Kraling, to be honest with you. I think I I originally heard it from her. Um, But I I literally, (laughs) I say it to myself all the time. I said it to myself when I was faced with a new program or platform that I had no idea what to do with. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, the only way out is through. The only way out of this is to start and to dip my feet in and start.
0: Yeah. And it's so it's so funny because it's so scary when you're first starting, and mm-hmm. then six months later you look back and you're like, why was I so freaked out to do that? Yeah, because it's really not that big of a deal because you see all of the changes that it makes for you. Mm-hmm. And I think once you're at the point where you are accomplishing things that you literally never thought that you would be able to do, I mean, even something as simple as like, I mean. Even like buying a house, like I see so many TikTok videos talking about like, yeah, this generation is not going to be able to buy a house and the Mm -hmm. online space allows that for so many people or even renting a place. Like I remember renting and I was, I couldn't find anywhere for cheaper than like where I live, like $1,800 a month. And I was making like $2,200 a month before I was Mm -hmm. VA. So I was like, how how should I be expected to afford this? Like, it's so ridiculous. And I was making $20 an hour, which is Mm -hmm. supposedly good. It's just, it's, it's crazy the things that having a business online can allow you to do. And it kind of becomes like its own economy in a way. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Um, I never expected to be able to move out of my dad's basement as soon as I did. I left this out of my original story, but, um, I became booked out February of 2021, and I I moved back to my dad's, like, at the very beginning of the pandemic. I expected to Mm -hmm. stay there for, like, a few years because I was like, who Mm -hmm. knows when the pandemic is going to end? Who knows when I'm going to have enough money to even move out, if I'm even going to book another performing job? And I moved out of my dad's at the end of that year, Um, and... I never, I I don't think I would have been able to do that as soon as I did or get a place as nice as I did had Mm -hmm. I not started my business when I did.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's so crazy. Because I feel Mm -hmm. like in the, like a college space, it's kind of expected that you'll like go to college, you'll live with your parents while you're doing it. And then probably for a few years after that, because it could be so difficult to find a job in the field that you go to college for. And the, the timeline is just ridiculous to think about. Like it can take years to find a job in, yeah. in your field that you went to college for, whereas mm-hmm. it can take like three months for you to start making six figures a year from the online space.
1: Yeah. I mean, my whole plan like before the pandemic was like, okay, I'm going to move to Chicago and maybe I'll need like a roommate or two to mm-hmm. like, and I'll get like a random job mm-hmm. and I'll perform. And yep. like, what? Maybe even a year or so later, I was able to move out like on my own and afford rent that I wouldn't have been able to fathom before. Like, yeah, it's insane.
0: Mm-hmm. I think I do want to ask you what, one last question before we wrap up. Okay. When, it's just like ready.
1: three hours, three hours
0: later, <laughs> and we're like, well, I mean, we could just keep going. Okay, one
1: <laughs> more question for you. <laughs>
0: um, I know obviously you invested in DCA and I think there's a lot of people that are afraid to invest. I was very scared to invest and I had like zero money whenever I invested. I was in debt. (laughs) Um, But what do you feel like, how do you feel like investing in something like DCA made a difference for you versus just trying to figure it out on your own?
1: Yeah, I mean, and what's weird is I feel like I, I did... I kind of did a little bit of both where I initially exhausted all the free resources that I possibly could until I was like, you know what? I I really want to invest money in something that's going to accelerate this growth for me. And I feel like that's exactly what it did. Um, It's definitely not impossible to figure it out on your own. I mean, I got to my first one or two clients with the Digital Millennials Masterclass. But but prior to that, I had done a lot of like looking at free resources and taking notes and implementing on my own. Um, but what DCA and like investing in a program like that allowed me to do was accelerate that growth and make it faster. And also it's really hard to do that on your own. It can feel really lonely Mm -hmm. to be the only person doing it. And I really think one of the biggest things DCA gave me was a community to do it with, Mm -hmm. um, and the support of a community, because that is like freaking priceless. Like, I had a friend in the program where we met, like, every other I was like, going to say, you every were always other night. co-working. <laughs> yeah, we were always co-working. And truly, I think if I didn't have that, I, I wouldn't have gotten to the place that I did as soon as I did. Um, mm-hmm. So also to people who are in DCA, like, lean into your community. Like, if there's someone in yeah. DCA that you're like, I think you're cool. I respect <laughs> you. We should hang out on Zoom and work. Like, I truly yeah. think that I owe like almost half of the success that I found from DCA to just purely having a community to do it with.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's bad. Uh, we <laughs> constantly talk about this in DCA, but there, it's it's great. Like a lot of people don't have this. A lot of people don't have friends or family that are supporting them. But even if you do, like that's great to have. But nobody understands what you're going through the way that the people in that are basically doing the same thing as you're doing, understand, like, Mm -hmm. how they understand the really low times, how they understand when you're celebrating a win. It's very, very different when you're doing that alongside people in the online space versus just telling your friends or family about it. And it's really hard. It's also really hard. Like, I even like my husband, he's like very supportive of what I do, but I feel like he doesn't like even fully understand what I do. Yeah. Same thing with like my dad, for example. It's just really hard to encapsulate everything and to have someone that can like empathize with what you're going through unless they are also going through the same thing. So yeah, your community online is really, really priceless hundred percent
1: yeah I feel like with um, people outside of the online space I always have to like boil it down to I'm a freelancer who works with other yep. freelancers <laughs> like mm-hmm. as simply as I possible. work in marketing are like okay
0: yeah. <laughs> they're like yeah marketing's great I'm like <laughs> that's, that's not even really what I do but I'm just <laughs> we're just gonna go with it yeah just going with it <laughs> well uh, I think this this was a this was a long good episode.
1: Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I, um, you know, finally, uh, at long like, last. Yeah, it's
0: been kind of like a long time, hasn't it?
1: <laughs> no, thank you. I, it was so exciting. I absolutely, I, you know what? It's weird because I like work with you and I get to like listen to the episodes before they come out, but mm-hmm. I am also just like a fan of the podcast. I love it even oh if I didn't God. work with you. So <laughs> it's so exciting. Thank you for having You're me on. You're the
0: best. I love you. I love you too. <laughs> whatever well i hope whatever it's not a big deal Um, (laughs) i hope you all enjoyed this episode obviously do you want to tell everyone where they can find you you're gonna be getting DMs up the wazoo up after this (laughs)
1: yeah feel free to dm me on instagram at kaylin sprinkle co um we will link it in the show notes yeah kaylin will on me i will be linking it in the show notes
0: (laughs) she you just write like a love letter to yourself
1: from me you're
0: like hi this is jess and kaylin is the best person i've ever met in my life you should follow her on instagram and at the
1: end of it it's that photo of miley cyrus and that photo of courtney from the team retreat and the photo of me that's your contact photo and my instagram
0: (laughs) please link that we're gonna have to like get consent from courtney for the we're just like blasting her on this podcast
1: i'm gonna make a custom contract for her to sign that that gives us the okay to use her image she's gonna sign an nda you're not allowed to disclose the fact that
0: we posted this photo of you yeah you posted it not us all right well thanks for listening everyone like caitlin said we'll have everything linked in the show notes all the important things (laughs) and uh, we will talk to you on the next episode bye see ya see ya. <laughs> see ya thank you for listening to the digital state of mind podcast I am your host Jessica Hawks and I am so happy to have you here follow along with us on Instagram at the digital state of mind so that we can stay connected with you and get your feedback on what you want to hear on the show I know everyone says this but we're serious okay <laughs>